Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Araja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. Uh, and you can become a subscriber at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Well, here to recap, what was a crazy, crazy week four of college football? It's Will Johnson. Ah, hey. <laughs> um, I, I don't know... Uh, some people might have read my my five things to know piece. Uh, Texas State just finds more and more painful ways to lose. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that the? I, I haven't seen the power. I haven't seen the power bowl. How, is that? Is that? Is that the first team or is that the first game? What are, what are we looking at here? No, no, no. So we're we're starting right at the bottom. Uh, okay. Okay. So so at number ten right now. Um, we, yeah, we can just go ahead and get right into it. Number 10, uh, they didn't play this week. They had a game canceled. North Texas. Uh, this is this is a funny week of the Power Pool because we have now added three more teams, right? So, like, North Texas technically fell, quote-unquote, five spots. Right, and, even though just because more teams right. played ahead. Oh, more teams won, too. So, right. like, you know, right. <laughs> just have to right. put and, them down. And I want to be clear, like, this is, this is not me saying that North Texas is especially bad. This is that everybody else is kind of good like yeah. <laughs> i don't know what's going on but like uh because i believe two teams um from last week went and jumped north texas so that's why they're last um look i i mean i think that it's obviously this this last group is kind of close like again none of them are bad teams like mm-hmm. usually usually when we're talking about the last place team in this like we're talking about oh you know this might be the worst team in fps but right. for once finally uh no it's just, it's just <laughs> north texas beat an fcs team which cool and, and then got uh, their breaks uh right. killed by <laughs> <laughs> right right they got hit by a runaway freight train a runaway pony express i guess but uh, uh but yeah north Texas, they had a game against houston canceled this weekend um i will say the game against houston likely would not have gone well uh mm. You know, I mean, so I it wasn't really a factor one way or the other that they uh, that they had the game canceled or didn't have a game. Again, they just fell because everybody else did better things. So, mm-hmm. moving on to number nine, uh, number nine, the TCU Horn Frogs. They lost thirty-seven thirty-four to Iowa State, and we talked about this a little bit in in this, the work slack. But like, okay, so from what it sounds like, right? It sounds like, and, mm-hmm. and this is something I was worried about coming in. It sounds like maybe Duggan just hadn't practiced a ton and also maybe his conditioning wasn't all the way back mm-hmm. um you know which again we, we sometimes think that like okay this kid's cleared like they're you know robots and and you know they're they not gonna be tired p- yeah you can pump them in for as many drives as you need right but basically the first half was waving a white flag with matthew downing at quarterback oh um, my gosh it, it was just wasn't it was good it wasn't good like that's even with, I mean, I posted that amazing Brock Purdy interception. Like, that's even with Brock <laughs> Purdy just spotting them points. Like, just straight up, just straight up shaving points. Like, right. it's just like, here, take the ball. Like, that so was one I, of the I, greatest interceptions I've ever seen. So, I, I uh, and I will say, I will say, this is bizarre. I don't understand how, I, I just don't understand. Uh, they, they ruled it as a fumble um, and not Ooh, an interception. So, uh, I, I guess, you know, I mean... 
the line with a quarterback falling to the ground is obviously very close. I felt like he clearly made like a throwing motion, right? right? So like to me, it was an interception. I don't know. Stat keepers didn't want to ruin Brock Purdy's stats, I guess. I guess. But- <laughs> Yeah, but, I don't know. Um, That's yeah, weird. But uh, I, I remember I was tweeting because I was at that game yesterday, and I, I tweeted, like, that might be the worst play I've ever seen. And everybody was like, oh, come on. And then the video came out, and they were like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, God. And, like, because it's Brock Purdy, too, he's like, you know, he's a good quarterback. And you're like, oh, there's yeah, no really way good he made. Like, there's not something that he would do. Like, come on. And then you're like, oh, yeah. oh, wow, okay. You know. Yes. Yeah, uh, through. Through two <sighs> weeks, the Brock Purdy hype train is not not looking so hot. Oh, but it's, it's hanging. It's, it's on. It's on one track right now. It's not yeah, doing well. It's uh, not not great. Not great. But TCU again. They basically surrender the first half with Matthew Downing. Um, which which by the way, I mean, I I just that. I so I know that um, TCU had some issues. Obviously, Max Duggan had his heart issue. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it kind of sounds like they might have had some quarterback contact tracing issues like another team that we'll talk to talk about excuse me very soon but um you know it's still just like whew man I I expected Duggan I mean sorry not Duggan I expected Downing to look a little bit better than he did Mm -hmm. um you know because he was a guy who threw for a lot of yards in high school at Alpharetta uh he was a guy who got on the field for Georgia even though it was like in garbage time but like still you know Mm -hmm. like That that's one of those things where you're like, okay, well, maybe he's a walk on at Georgia, but maybe he's like, you know, a third string quarterback at you know a, a lesser Big Twelve school, right? Like, right, you, got, you, got I, like I a, you got like a poor man's Baker story, right? Where right, it's like, right, I wanted right. to prove myself at Georgia, you know, so I right. dodge these other big programs that offered me. Like maybe the, right. you know, thinking there is something there for the fact that he got on the field. <laughs> Right, 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 and I, and to be clear, like when I say lower tier Big Twelve school, I don't I don't mean that like it's TCU level, right? Like I'm saying right. like you know I assume that he's the type of kid who maybe gets like is like the last scholarship at Kansas, right? Like right. you know that sort of thing, right? And and like it's actually kind of funny. I I tweeted something about it, but um, you know it was obvious that Iowa State did not respect his arm at all, and oh, they were they were it was they were lined bad. up like seven yards. I was like, about to say yeah, they were just were saying like, hey, we right dare you, we dare you to throw first downs, right? And he couldn't. And I, I tweeted something about that because like first of all, uh, Iowa State didn't trust him to throw, and also TC's play calling didn't trust him to take the top <laughs> off the defense. And I, a guy who I'm pretty sure was his quarterback coach from Georgia, like, got in my mentions and was like, uh, and was like, how do you know that? How have you already made that declaration? And it's like, <laughs> what? It's like, I'm watching like, the game. <laughs> right. And, like, the other thing, too, is, like, I'm not saying that, like, Matthew Downing can't throw a ball 15 yards. Right. I'm saying that nobody on this college football field thinks he'll do it against them. Like, right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, whatever. I mean, obviously, credit for sticking up for your guy, but come on, man. But mm-hmm. but anyway, you know, uh, so, so TCU, I will say, in the second half, looked really good. Right? I like, mean, yeah, when, when Duggan came in, Duggan was throwing the ball a lot better. He looks like an improved yes. quarterback. Um, he was challenging the defense in ways that he wasn't last year. Um, Not at all. And especially in a game where the running game just wasn't really doing much. I mean, he was he, – it was really good. And like, you know, especially when, you know – Iowa State knew that they were going to have to press them a little more at times, and so it wasn't exactly like they were getting caught off guard with Max Duggan throwing the ball. Um, and he was still doing well. Like he was, I don't know. It was it was a lot. Of, it was a really good night for him, or a really good day for him. And I would just, I, I'm curious to see what that result is if he plays the whole game. Yeah, and 
and uh, in all the best ways and in all the worst ways, uh, you know, you could see all the hallmarks of Doug Meacham in this game, right? You, you saw, right, you know, yeah. the, the quick passing game, which was great. And, and honestly, like, <laughs> it's just so obvious uh, after watching that yesterday, like, what the hell were they doing last year with Duggan? You know, like, if you've got an offensive line that you know is bad, which is still bad, like, why aren't you getting the ball out quicker? Why aren't you going to the quick passing game? Uh, you know, the splits were fantastic, right? I mean, they were going four or five wide almost every other play. Like, it was working. It worked great. And, and obviously, you know, the flip side of that is, like, all these scripted plays have all this innovation, and then you get to the actual, uh, you know, <laughs> gameplay, and it's like, all right, man, like, you, you can use motion later, you know, too, yeah. right? Um, but, you know, I, I think that I think that it's very clear that the offense is different. It has improved, and, and that Meacham is going to be an upgrade. But, um, you know, and, and we'll see exactly to what extent that's the case heading forward. But, yeah, it was just a very sloppy game. I mean, I think that I tweeted this, but, like, I think that there were four touchdowns, and, and actually I think there might have been a fifth after that, that were just literally like somebody like trotting into the end zone half speed because of a, a terrible missed coverage, basically. Right, and, right. And, and on both sides, right? Like, But especially the TCU side, which is not something that we're used to seeing. Just, you know, Iowa State of all teams just blowing holes through their defensive line. Like, that, that's not something that's supposed to happen. So, yeah. On, yeah, honestly, in, in a lot of ways, I was more concerned about their defensive performance than I was about their offensive performance, which is saying something. So yeah, yep. Th- they're at number nine right now. We don't have to make this a whole TC show. Um, number eight. Oh boy, Texas Tech. Oh <laughs> Texas man. Tech. Well, uh, let's talk about the good. Uh, uniforms look great. Uh, they looked fantastic. They um, looked and, and the really other thing fantastic. that I'll say. The other thing that I'll say too, right? Like. I did move Texas Tech up. I mean, technically they moved down a slot, but I did move them ahead of North Texas. I had them ahead of TCU. Like, I think that they showed us a lot of good things in this oh, we, game. Oh, we were, we were wondering, uh, I mean, granted, they still they almost scored 70, but we were trying to say, like, oh, <laughs> Texas is going to score 70. And it's like, yeah, almost, but, like, it wasn't that Tech got blown out. Like, we, no, were, we no. thought this was going to be, like, a ver- an FBS version of Texas versus, or I just realized yeah. what I, I hold on, I just realized what I almost did there. I said a FBS. I was gonna say an FBS version Don't of Texas versus UTEP. Don't you dare! <laughs> Listen, we'll get to that in a, a second. Uh, Don't you dare! Version of Texas versus UTEP. We thought it was gonna be an absolute route. Um, and uh i'm sorry i can't believe i almost did that um i almost said utah was an fcs school um but don't you dare uh but uh <laughs> but no like they looked really good alan bowman you, you got basically all of the whole alan bowman experience i guess um you had tech's defense doing at times what they needed to do like obviously it kind of just collapsed on itself in the end but i mean at times you know texas's offense was getting checked a little bit more and and then of course i mean sir Roderick thompson looked really really good um yes, yes there were there were some really good moments for the for tech and you know it just it sucks that we got to talk about the the final you know final uh quarter because you know i feel like based off what we saw against um against hbu like this this should have been like oh look this team's actually pretty good (laughs) (laughs) right and that's the thing right you go into this game if you say that texas tech is taking texas to overtime 
that is an unbelievable win, like heading in, right? right. Like you would have, you would have lost your mind if you thought. And then that you Texas t- keep Tech telling him, you're like, oh wait, oh no. <laughs> yeah, uh, wait, what happened? Yeah, I, I mean, it it really is funny because I don't know any other way to say this than Alan Bowman is every reason that they were in that game, and it's also every reason that they lost that game. Yeah. Like I, I just. And don't get me wrong, like the defense was not very good, but I thought that they fought pretty well. Like uh, I said, they 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 held. I mean, like Ellinger didn't light the world on fire. Like no. it, this wasn't like Ellinger, like you know, throwing for four hundred yards and just absolutely torching this defense, which is he what played, I thought would happen. Right, he played fine, but it was mostly yeah, it was mostly like I mean, there were also some bad field position situations for them as well, and like definitely, it, it wasn't you know, it wasn't just them going. 80 90 yards every single drive but yeah man i mean the you mentioned it like the full it was the full alan bowman experience and it's like right yeah i don't know it yeah, was, it was yeah. Uh, you just kind of you saw it happening and then of course the onside kick and then just like right, right. It, it, p- people are going to focus on the onside kick but things were just like going downhill progressively yeah. before that moment yeah, and I mean, I I do want to. I, I mean, let me think. So so Texas has thirty one points at halftime, right? Yeah. And after that, I mean, I I do want to just straight up go through their drive chart, right? Sure, uh, sure. So t- t- Texas goes punt four plays sixteen yards, punt six plays four yards, interception three plays eight yards, field goal twelve plays sixty four yards. So that's one sustained drive. Fumble twelve. Uh, fumble three plays minus twenty one yards. Punt three plays minus sixteen yards, and then obviously they just collapse at the end there right so like the defense was the reason that this game became close right Mm -hmm. and um and like again everybody's gonna look at this game and and a lot of people of course only turned on the last couple of drives and so you know and and that's a reasonable thing right like you have to do that for four quarters you can't do that for a quarter and a half yeah but also let's uh let's remember i mean they got the intercept the defense got the interception at the end of the third quarter uh when ellinger was trying to push the texas lead and I mean, they, like you said, they were, they were making plays. Like, they were doing right. what they could. As, as I mean, making plays as well as you can as Tech's defense against Texas's offense. Like, you know, you're not going to shut them down because, I mean, on average, the defense isn't that great. But, you know, this it, it wasn't as bad as the score indicates, and it wasn't as bad as probably we thought heading into it. Yeah, and actually, let me let me quickly go back. Um I'm curious. So, so off of Alan Bowman's interceptions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan Bowman goes interception. Texas has a touchdown. Interception. Texas has a touchdown. Uh, let's see. What's the other? Where's the other interception? I can't find the other interception. But anyway, I, I mean, so you're talking about multiple times when they go uh, when Texas scores touchdowns off of, like you said, short field position because of interceptions, right? Yeah. And like that, that's something that you know, we can't do that. That's something that can't happen. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you also, Texas has a punt return touchdown. So like you look at all these things added up, like, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and try to like make this some like expose of how great Texas tech is defensively. But like, right. I mean, Hellinger, despite those last two drives and overtime finished with only 262 yards, right? Like yeah. he, he did not look himself. And, Again, people who didn't watch this game will say, oh, three for five touchdowns, but, like, that's not really representative of what happened in this game. Um, sure, you know, and sure. 
Texas also, I, I mean, Texas Tech also uh, did a really good job overall stopping the run, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's not something that we saw so much from them last year. Again, the, the stats, I think, are a little deceiving, right? And, and right. so, um, no, overall, I think that there's mostly good things to take away from this game. Um, again, at this point now, you know, they played this game against Texas. They tend to play this game against Texas, right, where they make things a little too interesting. Right. Um, now you got to take it forward, right? Now you got to yeah. do it next week against Kansas State. And, mm-hmm. um, but, but I think overall, I think that this week was a net positive for Texas Tech. I think that their ceiling looks higher than we thought it was. But mm-hmm. again, I, I mean, in, in, so, in a lot of ways it does come down to, come on, Alvin Bowman, you got you to gotta be there mentally, right? You, get, yeah. you can't turn over the ball three times. You can't and, – and I mean, I can't remember the third interception, but the two interceptions that I remember were just horrible, just awful. Right. And, you know, just throwing the ball right to defenders. You can't do that. <laughs> you know, we, yeah. you, can't, you can't do that. So moving on, um, I'm so sorry. The Texas State Bobcats – all Best right. one and three team in America. Uh, All right. Um, I don't know how long we got to spend on this, um, but let's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to summarize this as best I can. Uh, Brady McBride looked pretty good. Uh, defense looked really good, and then in the second half, they just stopped trying. Like <laughs> the pl- the play calling just stopped trying the Boston College defense. Um. I hate to say that this is on Spavadol's play calling, but in my opinion, in the second half, kind of was. Um, yeah. I think they just kind of turtle shelled, and uh, I mean, let's play our favorite game. Look at the drive chart, and let's go. <laughs> let's look at so the so Texas State scores in the opening drive of the second half. Um, then they go punt, 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 game, and on those <laughs> on those Jeez. punt drives, it's eight plays, six plays, three plays, three plays game that's it right right. and um yeah that's basically like that's literally it in the first half you have brady mcbride again i get it he's running for his life a little bit too and so that you know he's probably taking some hits and you probably don't want him to to do that in the second half um but he's throwing plays up to marcel barbie he's getting drew jackson involved too this week um make having his wide receivers make plays which is what the game plan should be and then in the second half, you just don't have that. They're not testing the secondary. They're really keeping things underneath. And against Boston College, who's not a bad team, you know, eventually Phil Djokovic uh, uh, um, is going to start getting his feet under him. And that's what he did in the second half. And he's going to make plays. And Boston College is a good enough team to take advantage if you're just going to try to sit on a game, like, I'm sorry, Texas state's not good enough to sit on a game. <laughs> right. Right. No. And, and I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, and I think that that's something that a lot of, uh, a lot of group of five teams do when, when they feel like they have something against power five teams. It's like, okay, let's try to go to them, you know, man up. Right. Like right. you can't play like that. No. You just don't have that. And I mean, give all, I, I do want to say, give all of the credit in the world to, to Texas State for playing as well as they did the first couple of quarters, right? Like that was, it, it was, was awesome. Like they they yeah. were manning up, and they were like, you know, they were basically saying, uh, heading into the game, we were worried about Phil Phil Dracovic in this offense because they looked really right. good in the first week, and Texas State was like, yeah, this is fine. We'll 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 stop the run. We're gonna pressure Dracovic and um and make sure that he doesn't you know have time to throw and is a little rattled and. They were testing the wide receivers. Like, the defense was really, really solid. It was probably the best game I've seen from this defense, aside from ULM, which, you know, we'll get to them in a bit. But, um, you know, it was it was probably the best defensive performance so far. Right. And, 
that's the thing, right? I, I do want people to to realize that Boston College is like a legitimately good team, right? Like yeah. Boston College is like they look like they're going to be a middle of the pack ACC team. And if you told us going into the season that Texas State was going to compete with them, again, if you tell us going into the game that they lose twenty four to twenty one, you feel great about that, right. right? It's just the way that it happened. Obviously, that that makes it so you know feel so bad. And man, it is funny because because you look back, right? If if you start this, uh, if you go before the season and tell Texas State fans that they start this uh, this stretch one and three, but you're in every game, you know, first of all, I think that you obviously assume that the one win is over UTSA, right. but you know, <laughs> you're not feeling bad about that, right? If you know sure. that you're in every game, um, obviously ULM has been a lot worse than we thought mm-hmm. they were, but um, but you know. That w- this was always going to be a difficult stretch, um, you know, to start the year. And now I'm, I'm curious, right? Because obviously it doesn't get a whole lot easier, but you do have, you know, you, you are going to play a whole lot of teams that are not anywhere near as good as Boston College, right, mm-hmm. in Sunbelt play. And so I think that now's a good time for a bye week. I think now's a good time to just kind of recollect yourself. Hopefully, I mean, get healthy you know, yeah. in, in, in so many ways. Um, but, you know, if they're able to do that, like, Again, I'm still very optimistic about this team, but mm-hmm. now you got to show me that that uh, you're going to take what you've done here and, and prove that it's not just you guys getting up for big games, that you're going to do it against Troy, that you're going to do it against you know whoever else. Sure. No, it's, it's a good point, and it's really kind of all there is to say. Um, Texas, I think we've seen, like, last week you kind of saw Texas State sit on the game a little bit, and obviously against ULM that can work. Um and this week you're going to – or, yeah, this past week you can't do that when you're an underdog playing a team that's legitimately good and is eventually going to get its feet under it on the road. I mean, again, I mean, again it's – it's you know, they Boston College didn't have a crowd, but you get what I'm saying about, you know, home field sure. advantage regardless. Um, they slept in their own beds. Right. They slept in their own beds. They're creatures of habit. I mean, athletes are. And so – um. Yeah, you just needed to be a little bit more daring. I'm hoping that this isn't a sign of things to come with Spavadol's play calling. Because, yeah, uh, two weeks in a row, uh, mixed results so far that it's happened. So hopefully, it's something to continue. I mean, hopefully, it's something that he learns from. And you know, um, against Troy, we see a team that's a little bit more daring for a full game. Yeah, and I think that you know, looking back, it is kind of funny that. A lot of this does seem like similar criticisms that Spavadol had when he was at Texas A&M, right? Sure. That yeah. that sometimes he would, you know, turtle and and sit on, uh, you know, trying to sit on leads. And yeah, and last week thing, credit last week we were like, oh look, there's he's more vertical and blah blah blah. Right, and he kind of got right. out of his system. And, and, and it's like eh, there's still <laughs> well, some hanging around there. Definitely, definitely. And and I will say, right, like I think that I think that he's been a lot more aggressive early in games. But sure, it, it sure. seems like. It seems like once he feels like he has an advantage, he mm-hmm. thinks that he can just play that advantage and right. kind of then at the same time takes away the advantage that he created with his fantastic play calling, right? Because, like, yeah. he, he is a very good play caller. I want to be clear, right? Yeah. Like, he's that's why he was hired. He's had fantastic offenses. And, um, and no, I think that even it, – it is kind of funny, right? Like, even at um, – at West Virginia, I think you saw less of that because I think he knew that he was at a, at, you know, in some ways a disadvantage, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, and, and I think that I think that early in the season and especially early in that Boston College game, 
he knew that he was at disadvantages. And so he does all the good stuff, right? He doesn't try to, you know, he doesn't try to go too east to west. He doesn't try to, you know, pound the ball too, too much. Like, you know, and, and I do think that that's something that will come along in time. I mean, this is his first four games calling uh, offense with this team. So mm-hmm. I, I do think he'll get better at it. But it is something to watch. I, I'd say that. I think it's something sure. to watch. So moving on to number six, uh, the one and no Texas A&M Aggies. So we said in our Wednesday podcast, uh, we saw the line, it was 31, and we were like, what, what, what is going on? That is disrespectful. Um, <laughs> right. And I want to be clear, right? Like, Vanderbilt's bad. Vanderbilt is, especially if Arkansas is as okay as they looked, probably the worst <laughs> team in the SEC, right? Um, yep. You know, at, at best, bottom two. And, and A&M was playing at home in a game that was highly anticipated and all that. Uh it seems like every single one of the concerns that we had about Texas A&M came true. Like every single one of them. Every single one. Yeah. Um, yeah. When when we said when we said that the the uh, the line was disrespectful, what we meant was Texas A&M should win this comfortably, but Vanderbilt's defense is good enough to make sure it's not just an absolute bloodbath. Yeah. Well, what I did not mean was that Vanderbilt was that Vanderbilt's defense was good enough to have a freshman Ken Seals almost on the verge of leading a win in Kyle Field. <laughs> right, right. We did not see the Ken Seals QB experience uh, coming. Um, and and I, I do want to say, right, like, the final score was 17 to 12. He wasn't great. Um, he was fine. Yeah, but the for fact sure. That he, the fact that the, the fact that A&M had him with, like, three drives at the end, potentially yeah. on, their, on, on the way to taking the lead, like, that's, a, that's concerning. Yeah, and... I will say, like, Vanderbilt's offensive play calling was pretty exciting. Like, I mean, they they did <laughs> they some really they did some really nice things. I felt like they they found uh, ways to get guys just like in untraditional positions in space, almost like they mm-hmm. they rolled out seals a whole lot to kind of a you know kind of half the field a little bit. Like, I I think that a lot of this uh, in terms of like the ball moving is, is obviously like, I think Vanderbilt did a really good job of trying to figure out how to attack this. Mm-hmm. Um, the issue is that Texas A&M should be good enough that it doesn't matter. Right? Right. <laughs> like, like there shouldn't be a, oh, okay, well they found this ma- mismatch. No, there should be no mismatches. There should be none. <laughs> right. It's like, like they shouldn't have leverage here. They shouldn't have space here. They shouldn't have anything. Right. Like yeah. Texas A&M's an elite team. They're not supposed this, to do yeah, that. If, the, if this is the year they're supposed to take the leap, they're supposed to neutralize those kind of things. Right, right. And, like, for example, when you when you play against Alabama, like, you don't get the nice thing past, like, the second drive of the first quarter, right? right. That's gone. It's just over. And, mm-hmm. and Vanderbilt continued to have that. And, um, you know, and so, like, again, I'm, I, I want to be clear. I'm not overreacting to anything. I'm not super concerned by anything. Nothing changes about what I think this team can be. But, like... I just look at this and, and I mean, they looked disorganized. And yeah. I think that offensively, um, look, I mean, a lot of blame <laughs> for a million reasons will go to Kellen Mond. Um, his receivers did him no favors. Like, they looked like freshman receivers out there. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was a lot of like, I mean, the, the, one, the, off, the burst that they did get was a lot of like, hey, Isaiah Spiller, help. 
Like it was like it was right, like please right. please do something. And eventually, you know, he did. He had a, he had a couple big. I think his uh, I want to say he finished with a hundred yards, but like they were it was bolstered by like two carries basically. Yeah, um, I think he had like a sixty yard carry or something. Yeah, like, like a that. sixty yard carry, and I want to say he had like one other twenty yard or thirty yard carry, but like. That was basically it, but that was basically all they needed. Um, I mean, that was the game. <laughs> yeah, that was the game. And so, like, yeah, it was definitely him trying to figure out, okay, who's going to be the guy I can go to this year? And I I think we're still we're still asking that question. Oh, 100%, because <laughs> as of yesterday, the answer looked like nobody, right? right. Like, I, I think that, you know... Caleb Chapman was their leading receiver. He had a lot of drops, like a lot of drops. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little surprised that they didn't go so much to the tight ends because because Weidermeyer is a guy who you expected was going to kind of be the safety valve for this team, and mm-hmm. he wasn't really. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just look up and down this list of guys who caught a pass. Like, I don't know, man. Like, like I think Jalen Preston looked okay. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's just I don't, I don't really get – I don't really get the rotations. I'm also I'm also curious too, right? Like, I know that I know that Jimbo doesn't like to play freshmen in general. Obviously, at receiver, he doesn't really have a choice. Gonna ask the the Demond Demas question. I mean, it's I think it's a reasonable question to ask when you've got nothing going, right? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, again, I I don't want to sit here and pretend that like or or act like this is like some giant deal and like Texas A and M sucks at offense and sure you know, sure it's they first burn game, it all you know, down knows. right right right. I mean, you did hope... he talk about Demond Demas at all? In, in the, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to find. Uh, yeah, yeah, he he, he he did. Um, he just said basically, like, I mean, he was available. We just went another direction. I mean, he he, right. he said that it was more of a coaching decision, and that gotcha. um, and I mean, I I don't think that uh, that any of the true freshmen played in general uh, at gotcha. receiver. I think yeah. that it was all the redshirt freshmen. So, okay. again, they they all looked extremely extremely like freshmen. Um. <laughs> You know, and and obviously Kelton Mon gets you know we'll get the blame for that. And right. and to be clear, he was not good. He was, he was not good. Yeah, at all. he was not good. Um, you know, I I I don't want to look. I can probably say this after every Texas A&M game that Kelton Mond has been at Texas A&M <laughs> under Jimbo, but like, I I just want him to to have his skills taken advantage of and right. that's not occurring right now uh but whatever um you know texan m again they'll be fine unfortunately they go to alabama next week so they might not be fine next week but um <laughs> but again you know i think that we, we saw with a lot of these teams that uh that obviously i mean first game of the season coming against a conference opponent that's not easy right so all right it's time number five the utep miners Whew. This this has to be. I mean, I've so I've been at this job. This is my third season now, right? I started mm-hmm. in 2018. Um, I mean, obviously, it's the highest that they've ever been. I'm trying to think if they would have ever have been top five in the power poll. Like, like when's the last when's the last time that would have happened? Never. Uh, yeah, there's probably, n- there's like, no never, way. Ever. <laughs> there's no. Yeah. As long as we've been doing this, there's no way they've been top five in I, the state. <laughs> I, I'm just yeah. I'm, I'm even trying to think like. Because they had a seven and five year, but like <clears throat> that's probably good enough for like seventh or eighth, right? Right? Like, whew. yeah. Um, so UTEP, uh, you know, people can't see because it's a podcast. I'm wearing my Texas Western shirt right now, obviously. Nice. Uh, what just the mighty happened? minor offense? <laughs> what just happened? Uh, so 
for people who didn't watch the game, first of all, if you listen to this podcast and don't watch any UTEP football, I don't know what you're doing at this point, right? Like, I, I keep trying to spoon feed this to you. I don't know what to do at this point. Right. Um, UTEP had 500 yards of offense. Yeah. They won 31 to 6. They I had a 300. I... Go ahead, go ahead. They had a 300 yard passer, a 100 yard rusher, and 200 yard receivers. <laughs> yeah, I think so. In the week, in the week leading up, I'm. Pr- I picked UTEP to cover I, d- I wasn't sure how like how much they could take advantage of ULM but I knew that the line was pretty uh, disrespectful and I felt like I think the line I think I said the line was pretty disrespectful in their favor because I said that UL they should be able to move the ball in ULM yeah. I did not expect Gavin Hardison to throw for 300 yards for <laughs> both Justin Garrett and Jacob Cowan to go over 100 yards and for Deion Hankins to go over 100 yards. That, and three touchdowns, by the and way. And three touchdowns. That was awesome. Um, I don't know. ULM might be the worst team in FBS, but that does not matter because I mean, we're here to talk about UTEP. Yeah, and the other thing too, right, is like, okay, let's say that ULM's the worst, like the singular worst team in FBS. I'm not sure. convinced that they are, but like, let's say that they are, right? Yeah. Um, UTEP went on the road yeah. to Louisiana Monroe. And won a game by twenty five points. Yeah. When's the and last by the way, time? By the way, that might that might as that, that might as well be across the country for UTEP because I mean they're literally driving <laughs> yes. across an entire state. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm going through. I'm trying to find the. Okay, so they beat UTEP beat Houston Baptist forty two to ten at home in 2016 with Aaron Jones. They actually beat. Oh man, they actually beat a 2016 North Texas by 28 points. What a different time. Oh wow! Uh, Aaron Jones had 301 yards in that game. As oh, you can God, imagine. awesome! That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, I but let's, I mean, going on the road, like what? I mean, I they haven't done that against anybody. I don't give a damn who they're playing. I don't give a damn who like where they're playing. Okay, the last time that they won a game by more than 25 points was uh, in 2014 against UTSA, who I believe was in their like third season of existence mm-hmm. right like that's the last time they won a game by 25 on the road and in that game um in that game they had both jameel showers and aaron jones right so like two nfl players right <laughs> things I, I again i don't care how bad ulm is i really don't care at no, all no this, this is utep, utep has a corner yeah, they haven't they haven't taken advantage of bad teams even when they played them like because they've Never, always, they've been equally bad, <laughs> right? And so I mean, like now yeah. now it's like okay now they're a res- they look like a respectable FBS team in ways that they haven't before because they're able to take advantage of bad teams um, and and putting up yards, putting up points, sustaining drives like whatever you want. We've seen from UTEP this year. Um, in multiple phases, you know, because last year was, okay, they can kind of, sort of, maybe run the ball when they want to on a blue moon, but now it's like, okay, now they can also kind of throw the ball a little more, and it's like, okay, now they can also run the ball reliably, and now they can get, the, they have a quarterback who can get the ball to wide receivers in space, and have them make plays, and it's like, okay, here we go, they have a defense who could take advantage of an offense who can't move the ball, and like, you know, they, they have tools at their disposal and they can use them now and this is just something that wasn't shown the past couple years (laughs) under uh under this coaching staff um and maybe it was you know they needed a guy like gavin hardison to get his feet under him and really get comfortable 
and you know they needed a, a year under uh, Deion Hankins to get a year under him to to get used to college ball and to get used to conditioning and get him up to speed and it's you know hopefully this is something that is, is I don't want to I don't want to sound like a pessimist but like hopefully this is something that's just like okay no this is just a coaching staff that needed to get its feet under, under them and get comfortable with guys that they recruited and really establish themselves as um uh, as talented players because we've seen the signs for so many years right we're just like we're trying to grab on the lifelines of like uh, jacob cowing at 60 yards in this game and you know or you know Deion hankins looked good in his four carries against north texas right we're trying to like grab on the lifelines here and there <laughs> and now it's like okay here we're feeling validated now this wasn't just us being over uh, being too optimistic, right? Being, being, uh, I'm trying to find a better word for that. Like but, sunshine pumpers. Basically. Right, right, yeah. Like, we're not just trying to grab nothing. Um, <laughs> right. This is, they're actually doing something now. Right. And I do want to say, you know, I, I would say that Gavin Hardison's probably only the fourth or fifth best player on this offense, right? Sure, but sure, sure. the thing is, is that especially since that first game and in that first couple of drives of the second game, right? Since he's gotten his feet under him, he's been a much different player, right? Like mm-hmm. he's not missing guys along the same way. He's not making bad reads the same way. He's He's got this offense under his belt now, I think. And, and the thing that I think is most impressive about that is just, I, I mean, this is an offense that's had to, that's had to change a lot. I mean, this mm-hmm. is not the offense... Um, you know, maybe there's some base stuff that was similar to what they ran last year, but they've turned it from obviously a quarterback run based offense, and and all of a sudden that we know we talked with the with Adrian uh, brought us about this last week. Obviously, mm-hmm. it does suddenly look like oh wait, this was just a personnel issue at quarterback more than anything, and um and that UTEP had the ability to grow and um and you know and take advantage of their playmakers once they had a guy handling the ball who could do it. And so, yeah. again, uh, Gavin Hardison, I, I think, you know, I, nobody's going to mistake him for being an All-American, but I think that he is in so many ways the most important player on this team because he just he just allows everybody else to be good, right? He allows right. Justin Garrett and Jacob Cowling to be good. He allows Deion Hankins to open up the field and take advantage, right? So mm-hmm. I, I just, so many things in this game were impressive. And, and, and the defense, I mean, was legitimately very good. Right, like the, sure, the sure. defense uh, legitimately schemed very good. As someone um, who, I mean, we talked about uh, Colby Suits not being a bad quarterback. Like ULM not might, not have, might not have the weapons that they did um, the past couple of years, but I mean, Colby Suits looked pretty good in, uh, against Texas State, and he looked okay here. Like you, UTEP was good enough to just make sure he had nothing to work with, but he wasn't terrible either. Like he, there's something there with him, and so like the fact that UTEP was able to kind of just make sure that he had nothing going. And this whole offense had nothing going. And I do want to hint, you know, we'll talk about it more in the week. We'll get to teams who are on a good streak right now and might run into a brick wall in a, in a very Definitely. in a very near future. UTEP's not one of them. Um, yeah. Their their schedule isn't bad. Like, they have right. LaTeX, who's looked up and down. They have Southern Miss, who is dealing with head coaching issues. They have Charlotte, who, you know, we'll see what the Charlotte looks has looked okay. I mean, they, they obviously made a bowl last year, but, like, they're not a, a world beater. And, you know, they're not running into a powerhouse anytime soon. And they don't so have to play who, App State. Right, they don't have to play App State, and they don't have to play BYU. And so, like, who knows what they can muster together. I mean, this, is, this isn't, you know, this isn't like... 
we're not talking about them now because we know, we know we're never going to talk about them again in the near future. It's like, no, we could keep talking about them because we'll see <laughs> we'll see what's sustainable here. Yeah, and um, look, I mean, I think that a week ago we were trying to talk about them a lot because we right, figured we were, this was the last time we, 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 we were like, you know what, this is definitely going to be the last time. But definitely. no, like, you know, looking at them now after this convincing win, because um, yes. I think that we thought this game would be competitive. Um, I think we both... I don't know if we both said that the or I think we both said that it would it would be competitive and Utah would probably still lose, um, but th- th- this wasn't the case. I mean, it was it was yeah. Utah convincingly winning, um, and probably the best performance we've seen from them this year. Yes, uh, last last stat that I'll leave you with, or two stats I guess that I'll leave you with. Mm-hmm. Um, Utah outgained uh, ULM. Let's see. Uh, 512 yards to 193 and also uh utep and and ulm has a 1200 yard running back coming back the offensive line at ulm sucks so like he's struggled so far Mm -hmm. uh still ulm went 14 carries for seven yards so (laughs) man (laughs) i i I mean again i don't care who it's against i didn't think that utep could do that against anybody right (laughs) But yep. it looks like they're just playing so much more confident. I mean, they looked so much more confident than even uh, even the uh, Abilene Christian game the week before. So right. something's happening, man. Something's happening. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to watch. So uh, running real quick through the through the top four. So number four, we got the Texas Longhorns again. I mean, it it sure looks all of a sudden like that UTEP game was just a game against a Conference USA team, yeah. and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like we talked about a little bit, you know, Sam Ellinger didn't play great. He made the plays he needed to when he needed to. Um, There is something to be said about the benefit of taking advantage of a team that 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 is kind of handing you the game. (laughs) Um, Definitely. You know, there is a there is something to be said about in two games, watching them blow out a team and then watching them uh, uh, constantly seemingly lose a game and then pull it out um on the road against a rival and you know that is there is there is something to be taken from that i know we we kind of slandered tech a lot but there is a there is something to be said about texas taking the game back um, definitely in the waning minutes and sam ellinger making the plays he needed to um running game was okay uh, you know it's kind of boosted by um uh, keontae ingram kind of had a, a big run uh ellinger kind of needed to run the ball a little bit more than he's probably felt or I don't say felt comfortable. He's obviously a dual threat quarterback when he wants to be, but um, I guess more than Tom Herman wanted him to be um, in recent games. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it was fine. Like I, I'm not, I'm not particularly worried. Um, even though, oh, I will say the defense. I'm terribly worried about um, because you yes. thought this was you thought you thought the coaching switch you made was the one that needed to be made, and I kind of saw a lot of the same issues. Yes. No. Definitely. And. I, I do think that this this game is a validation of why people say all this stuff about Sam Ellinger. Like yeah. he is actually really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and a lot and, of the cliches uh, about leadership and et cetera, et cetera. Right. It's like, no, this kid's a gamer. Like he's right. he's been a gamer since Westlake, and that was the that's why he bent Shane Bichelle. It wasn't that he was the most polished quarterback. It was like, no, nah, I just feel like we can win with this guy. Definitely, and. And again, like, I mean, I'm not sitting here saying he's going to go win the Heisman or anything, right? Like, I'm not right. putting that on him. But he's a really, really good college quarterback. And, you know, I think that, um, I think in a lot of ways, like, again, I think that you can make the argument that, like, a Bouchelle is better. But, like, 
I think that if you do have, you know, a two-minute drive to win the game, like, I do think that Sam Ellinger's the guy. Uh, really, yeah. even across the Big 12, I think he's the guy. And so, mm-hmm. you know, again, I, I think that he deserves all the nice things that people say about him. And uh, now his job is to not get in 15-point holes in the yeah. fourth quarter. So. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, right. it, it's, yeah. It, I do want to talk a little bit about... <sighs> Me and you were big proponents of Todd Orlando not being the problem. Yes. Um, granted, there is something to be said about maybe Todd Orlando's staff and then the defense not developing the, the secondary the way that Definitely. they probably should have. No, and it's it's too early to, to say that Chris Ash is a problem, right? Right. But, again, this is it, it, to me it seems like it has been a development issue and not a scheme issue. And maybe right. Chris Ash is the guy that develops them better. But I think we're seeing that there were some things a little bit more. There were more things at play here than just, hey, Todd Orlando's blitzing too much on third down. Right. Right. And, you know, I mean, I, that's the thing, right, is that Chris Ash's schemes, and, and this is actually, you know, even even Jeff Halfley, you know, at, at Boston College, I, I think that's mm-hmm. a similar thing, right? Like, the thing that Chris Ash did really well at Ohio State was he let great player, uh, great players be great. Right. Yeah. Like he didn't he didn't try to overburden them. He didn't try to over scheme them. He didn't try to, you know, and that's one thing where sometimes Todd Orlando goes a little too far out. Right. Is that sure, he sure. tries to overdo it. He's stunting. Um, he, yeah, he's, he's really right. trying to get creative with it. Right. And and I think that Chris Ash doesn't do that as much. He just lets his players be better than your players. And I think, um, you know, w- one thing and, you know, you, I, I, you always say calling out a guy. Right. But like Juwan Mitchell is not a good enough player to be the middle linebacker at Texas. Like, yeah. they attacked him a lot up the middle, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know. I, I just – his his coverage skills weren't that great. You wonder if maybe they try and flip him around so that he's not having to get some of those slot guys. Like, I, I don't know. It was just – it was surprising to me how much of the middle of the field was there. Yeah. And, uh, again, against <laughs> against the University of Texas and all their – you know, five stars like that. It feels like that shouldn't be the case, right? Like sure. they shouldn't have. We knew that the linebacker position was a weakness coming into the year, but it still feels like that sort of thing shouldn't be happening. Mm-hmm. And it was. I mean, it, it was. And again, I think that I, I think that the defensive backs obviously have a lot of work to do as well. And it still seems like they don't even know necessarily who they want back there, which mm-hmm. is another kind of issue. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it just. I was surprised a little that that Texas is still having some coverage issues with their linebackers. Sure. So, again, week two, we don't need to overreact too much to anything. Um, you know, again, and, and <laughs> for God's sake, I, I think that Big 12 fans should know Texas won the damn game. Who cares, right? <laughs> like, right. <laughs> we, you know, we don't need to, to overreact to anything. <clears throat> because uh, some other yeah. big uh, that that's been proven to be pretty hard uh, as we've seen yeah. from other Big Twelve contenders. So, gosh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I, I, so Texas is two and zero. I think Oklahoma State, by the skin of their teeth, is two and zero. I mean, who else is two and zero? Because because uh, the next team that we're going to talk about, Baylor, obviously didn't play a non-conference game. Like, there's not a lot of two and zero teams right. in the Big Twelve right now. So you take the win and, and take the development from there. But uh, yeah. a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. So. Next up, we, we do have the Baylor Bears. Um, again, it was Kansas, uh, but they beat them 47-14, to 14, and after a little bit of a slow start, uh, made them look like Kansas. And, mm-hmm. I mean, look, <laughs> I think that it's fair to say that a lot of these teams 
haven't made teams that are worse than them look worse than them. So I, I do think that Baylor deserves some credit for that. Um, I mean, look, it, it was not a pretty game at all for Baylor. Like they, yeah. they're, I, and this was something that I expected. Sure. You know, a, a lot of a lot of Larry Fedora's passing concepts are very timing and rhythm based, mm-hmm. and Baylor has not played a football game, right? Right. And not to mention that uh, that obviously I don't know. <laughs> which receivers have been there consistently throughout camp. I, you know, offensive line wise, they were down like three guys, I think who were potentially going to start. Like this was, this was, I don't want to call it a mess, but you know, there were definitely some, some reasons that make perfect sense why this was a little bit of a struggle on offense. Sure. Um, I, I will say, uh, you know, I, I know that we don't cover Kansas, but Jalen Daniels, the, their true freshman quarterback, who's only 17, I mean, he, that kid can sling it. That yeah. kid looks really, really good. He did not look like a freshman at all. He looks as good of a quarterback as, as Kansas has had for, like, a decade. Like, I mean, <laughs> it's his first start. I don't want, you know, we don't necessarily know if he can keep it up. But, like, sure. if, if he can keep up what he showed in his first start, especially early in that game before Baylor really got after him, uh, you know, with the pass rush, I mean, my goodness, that, that kid's going to be really good. 100%. And, like, you know, we talk about <clears> – <throat> We talk about like how impressive it is that, you know, a program like UTSA with a new staff coming in with no spring camp, like how impressive they've looked and how well coached they've looked. And, you know, it, they don't look like a team that's going with a new staff. I mean, it's it's not every team is going to look like that. Right. And so, like, obviously, there are going to be some wrinkles that there was going to be a slow start to me. Um with Baylor and that that's not surprising because that was kind of the that's that's the norm right UTSA was kind of the exception which is why it's been impressive that they looked um as crisp as they have but you know you expected them to look slow you expected them to look a little disjointed which is what you saw in the first half what was it 17 to 7 at the halftime like it wasn't you know they weren't commanding uh, and against Kansas as you probably would have expected them to be because again this is a new staff new system new new style of play and you saw concepts of, you know, Brewer looking a little bit more comfortable with four wide, five wide concepts. But, you know, it took it took an entire half of them to really settle in. And, of course, Brewer came out of the game a little bit with a little bit of an injury towards the end. Um, but, like, it was, you know, it was, it was a rough game, but they still controlled it because it's Kansas. And Baylor, you expect to just be overall top to bottom better. Um, I don't know. I'm not worried. Uh, can't, Baylor looked good. The defense looked good, which is ultimately what you really expected to see from this team. Yeah, Terrell Bernard's going to be an All-American, man. Like, I, yeah. I, whether it's this year or whether it's next year, he's going to be an All-American. He is so freaking good. Like, mm-hmm. he was he was destroying Kansas. He actually, uh, he broke through the line at one point. Like, basically, <laughs> this was honestly a hilarious play. So, so Kansas was backed up in their end zone. They were at, like, the two-yard line because of a great punt. And um, Kansas decides that they're going to part the line and try to block uh, the incoming middle linebacker with a running back. Yeah. And um, guess what? You can't block Terrell Bernard <laughs> with a running back. What the hell are you thinking? He, he just so, had a free he, – he, like, what was it? Uh, Quickly shoved him to the side and just uh, had a free shot. <laughs> it was hilarious, man. But um, – but no, I, I think uh, the funny thing about this game, right? Like, I, I think that I've been running the Charlie Brewer hype train all off season long. Sure. Every one of his passes was like point oh two seconds off, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and and that's something that'll come with time. Like, that's why I'm not worried, right? Because because I think that this is such a rhythm based offense that I think that it makes sense that <laughs> that the passing game was a little bit off when you're running that quick passing game that's so much based on timing. Yeah. Um, and so, no, I mean, and that's the thing, right? They beat Kansas 47 to 14 
because they ran the ball so well with a pretty poor offensive line, um, you know, with a lot of backups and because of because of contact tracing, mm-hmm. um, you know, and they were fantastic on special teams. Obviously, like it's been this was crazy to me. Uh, so so Tristan Ebner has two kick return touchdowns in this game. Do you know the last time that Baylor had a kick return touchdown? Do you know what year that was? No, twenty thirteen. They haven't had a single one, a single kick return touchdown since 2013. Like, and it was Corey Coleman. Like, (laughs) that's how long we're talking. He's already come uh, in and out of the league. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Poor Corey. But anyway, uh, no, I mean, and and Tristan Edmer, we thought that maybe heading into this year, he might be that versatile piece. And he was every every bit of that. Two two, uh, kick return touchdowns a receiving touchdown and a rushing touchdown. You know, I had people on my Twitter being like, can you let him throw one just so he can get one of everything? <laughs> um, you know, and so he, he was very impressive. Like, honestly, other than the passing game, which is, again, something that I expect to come along just fine later, like, everything else looked really good, right? Sure. Like, I, I think that they were able to cause a lot of issues. Now, again, <laughs> we have to say 50 million times, this is Kansas, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is this is not a good team, but... I think that it is a good thing that Baylor made Kansas look like a bad team, and, yeah. um, and we'll see uh, especially what, I mean, in their first next, game. Yeah, next week we'll all, they'll have a better test. Um, which I mean, if there's a trend in anything, it's that a, a lot of these teams have not looked good in their first game, Definitely. and I will take Baylor not looking good and still winning that margin, like forty-seven fourteen. Yeah. Like, come on now, that's fine. I will take that. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, and <laughs> the broadcasters for this game were, I, I will say, a little interesting. Um, I think that it, it is it is funny because I do think that I, look, whenever broadcast teams usually go during the week, they're they're there in Waco. They go and you know, and and this is with any school, obviously, they go, they go inside, they have you know, in person meetings for hours with all the assistants, all the coaches, all the players, mm-hmm. and um, it just became very clear, like midway through the second quarter that these announcers had no idea who these teams were. All right. <laughs> but but one thing that they did say that that I do think resonated a little is like usually when you see a team have like a top ten season and a and a you know a not a BCS bowl, a, a New Year's Six bowl sort of season, like usually they get a little bit of respect in the AP poll, even mm-hmm. if it's not like a lot. And it has been a little surprising that that Baylor got zero respect, right? Like got zero real attention. Like even even yeah. when we pulled out, um, even when we pulled out the Big Ten and Pac-12 teams, they still weren't ranked, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I was a little surprised. Like they, they seem like a classic number twenty-four, right? Right. <laughs> just just like a just like a hey, they had a really nice last season. Who knows what the hell they're going to be this year? Especially since they have a quarterback coming back, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I know it's a brand new coaching staff, no more Matt Rule, and and you know obviously that defense is really new, but. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would be curious, uh, and I will be curious now this week. You know, we do add some of the we do add some of these teams back into the mix. I am going to be curious to see whether Baylor gets a little bit more respect than they did. But uh, you know, again, it's early in the season. Obviously, there's a lot of football left to play, and if they go to West Virginia and do what they did against Kansas, they're going to be in the top twenty-five. So there we go. Uh, moving to to number two, we talked about them a little bit. The UTSA Roadrunners now three and O. They beat Middle Tennessee 37-35 to in a game that really should not have been that close. Because... UTSA finish games challenge. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, uh, to be fair, they are finishing them. It's the part, like, right before finishing them that, <laughs> that they really need work at. UTSA uh, play four full quarters challenge. <laughs> right. And 
I mean, again, the fact that we're having this conversation about, man, UTSA, huh, they should be winning by more. Like, Right, yeah, exactly. Impressive. Good work, Jeff Trailer, man. Impressive. <laughs> like, you're doing a great job. We're, um, we're basing you off your own standard that you're setting. Right, right. Uh, you know, one, one note I want to mention about this game is that – so Frank Harris goes down. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully, hopefully nothing too too serious. He was back on the sideline, um, you know. But I think that it it shows just how much a difference it makes to have a legit backup quarterback, right? Because right. Josh Adkins comes in the game. He looks uh, really good. <laughs> looks really good, right? Like you you yeah. kind of see you kind of see what you expected, right? Because mm-hmm. you know, for me, I kind of expected him uh, Josh Adkins to come in and have a real good chance to win the starting job just because of ex- his experience. And you do kind of see how. You know, he showed everything that I expected him to show, right? Like, he showed why I thought that he could win the job. And and it shows also, too, that, that obviously Frank Harris has looked great through his first uh, couple of games. You know, it shows that it was really a direction thing, I think. And, you know, they felt like Frank Harris gave them a better chance to win. But, you know, to have two quarterbacks, especially, you know, again, fingers crossed that Frank Harris is healthy because, you know, he's so much fun to watch. But, um but, you know, I think that it just shows having two quarterbacks who you know can go in and trust to, to go and win you a game. I mean, it, it just yeah. changes everything for a program. Definitely. And, like, you look at, I mean, Sincere McCormick had an okay game. Like, he he was by no means the game breaker that he can be. And, you know, you're not going to have him. He's not going to dominate every single game. And so, like, when you have Sincere McCormick kind of, I don't want to be say being held in check, but when you have him just not putting up the numbers to where you can justify the entire offense, you know, still going through him, you know, having somebody like Josh Atkins to be able to then rely on, you know, more than Frank Harris in terms of uh, throwing ability. Um, that's such a big plus because as we've seen in these couple games, like UTSA has receivers. And so you would love to be able to get them into space. And so you, you have a quarterback now who can do that. And so you, you, you have him targeting these guys and giving them chances to make plays and so you're not having to give Sincere McCormick, you know, hoping that he rushes for 150 yards every week. He can have a game where he's held under five yards of carry and you still look comfortable and you still look good in a win. Um, yeah, now you're just looking for them to do that for four quarters because, again, we're watching that first half and it's like, man, this is a team that's just dominating end to end. Middle Tennessee can't get anything going. They realize that their front seven or they realize that they can uh, take advantage of that front seven. And then in the second half, they just stopped. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I, I do want to give two shout outs uh, on in this UTSA game. Uh, Zachary Franklin, six catches, 119 yards and a touchdown. Uh, mm-hmm. Once Adkins came in the game, I mean, he was, he was a game breaker. Right. And, you know, I think that it does show like, yeah, you kind of have to make a decision between whether you want the Adkins or Harris vision for your offense. Right. Cause, um, cause you know, like Adkins, uh, obviously threw the ball way more downfield and Franklin was the guy who primarily benefited from that. Whereas like, you know, Cephas has kind of been the more underneath guy. Dingle's been kind of the more underneath guy that, that Harris has done a lot of damage with, but it is good to know that UTSA does have one of those sort of game breaking receivers. If sure. you have a guy who can get him the ball. Sure. And the other guy that I want to mention is a true freshman from Tyler legacy, Jamal Ligon. Yeah. <laughs> 19 tackles in his first career start, a UTSA program record. Yeah, and I when mean, you when it, you consider the guy the guys who've played for that UTSA defense, that is impressive. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't believe that that already Jamal Ligon has more tackles than Joy's, Josiah Tawefa ever had in a game, right? Like right. that kid was a tackling machine 
and he's a true freshman. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh, so obviously he flipped his commitment when Kurt Trailer came from, and I have to not make this mistake, Tyler Legacy. Um, yes. You know, when whenever uh, whenever Kurt Trailer came to UTSA, Jamal Ligon came with him. Um, that looks like a really good thing for UTSA yeah. right now. <laughs> That's a really good coup on their behalf. Definitely, definitely. So again. UTSA, uh, next week they have UAB on the road. So yeah, this speaking, is going of t- to be- speaking of teams that we're really worried about in the next couple, in the, for the next month, uh, UTSA, if they come out of the, I'll say this, if they come out of this four-game stretch, two and two, actually, no, let's consider, let's let's say the all of October, because I want to throw, they got yeah, FAU, FAU at the end, too. If they come out of this with two wins, yes, I'm still on board. Yeah, I'm still very, because you have a ranked BYU you are yeah. on the road against good UAB. You have a ranked Army, La Tech, and FAU. If they come out of that with two wins, I am okay. I really think that is. I think two wins are possible. I think maybe if they if things go right, three wins is possible. I I I I I, I, I I'm okay with that. If if they put together thing, if they put together a full game, I think they can steal a game they shouldn't quote unquote shouldn't win, but. Let's just say this: two wins. At the, at two wins. I'm still on board. Like this is a very, very rough stretch for a team that hasn't put together a full entire game of good football. Um, so, so yeah. what I'll say, what I'll say is, man, I, I think that over the next four, at least, mm-hmm. uh, if they can win one and be competitive in the others, I'll feel That's okay fair. about that. I mean, this is a this is a brutal stretch. And it's a tough the stretch. Other, it's a really tough stretch. The other thing that sucks too, uh, you know, if you include that FAU game in it, is that the games that maybe would be more winnable, UAB and FAU, uh, it, you know, and, and, and LaTeX obviously, and uh, I, I don't know if it's a winnable game, but it's like a it's an okay game. But like the two games that you would hope to win, especially, are both on the road, right? Yeah, like yeah. you don't get any help and. So yeah, I, I don't know. For me, I, UT, I mean, again, UTSA hasn't exactly traveled because they've well, their only no. road game was in San Marcos. So. Right, right. So if they go if they go one and three over their next four, but look okay and look competitive and don't look outclassed, I, I mean, I do think that they're going to look outclassed against BYU. Like sure. that just that just feels like bad news. B- but BYU's if- offensive line looks ridiculous, and like there's just something there's something when an, when a, when a uh, Ranked team, F, uh, power five, or I don't want to say power five, they don't, but when a ranked team usually goes against anybody with an offensive line discrepancy, yes. it is like, it is tough to watch. <laughs> right. Right. So I'm not going to overreact too much. Uh, I, I would say if they, if they don't look competitive in at least three of the next four games, right? Mm-hmm. Like again, I, I think that we can throw out BYU. Um, you know, Army's going to be a really tough game too, right? Like sure. obviously. Um, but you know, if they don't look competitive, if they get blown out in more than one of the next four games, then I'm sounding a little bit of an alarm. But I, I do think that actually on the road against UAB is potentially the game that could teach us the most about what UTSA is because yeah. you cannot let Bill Clark make it a game, right? Like, if you're going to win, you have to go out and win against Bill Clark because he's too good a coach and UAB's too far along as a program. So you're going to have to play, you know, at least three full quarters to be able to compete with UAB just with right. the way that they that they prepare. And so if if UTSA is able to beat UAB, again, I mean, the, the, the next stretch is brutal. <laughs> it's brutal. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but, you know, if you're able to go and beat UAB, if you're able to at least keep it really close, 
I think that you can feel okay about that. Um, sure. Again, you know, I, I think that it's fair to say, you know, UTSA is 3-0. and You're not going to feel good about anything that's not a win at this point, right? Because you expect to win. But, um, you know, I think that if you can survive this stretch with one win, I'm okay with that. If you have two, I think you feel pretty good about that. Mm-hmm. And and obviously, if you, if you can get three in the month of October, like, holy crap, Jeff Trailer's coach of the year. You know, right, that sort right. of thing. So... I'm gonna we'll I'm gonna see. pencil we'll them see. down for two. Um, okay. okay. I would not. I would. I I really do think they are good enough to steal one. So I would not be yeah. surprised if they have three. But I think I'm gonna pencil them down for two as far as my actual projection. Okay. Okay. Well, I would be excited to see it. I definitely want to see that growth. So uh, finish off. Um, we didn't learn anything new about SMU. They beat SFA fifty to seven again. The the thing that we were talking about, where you go and you play an FCS team and you make them look like an FCS team, which nobody's really done to SFA this year, right? Like <laughs> nobody's nobody's made SFA just look like they just don't belong on the field. Right. Um, folks, SMU might be really good. <laughs> SMU might oh. be really really good. Remember when we were worried about them for like a second because Texas State was like winning. <laughs> Yeah, and I was like, eh, I it's, it's it's fine. They're fine. <laughs> they're they're right. they're fine. I will say, right? Like, I mean, not I. I obviously, you know, transitive property means nothing in college football. Uh, we all know that. Um, you know, but the one thing that you think is like, okay, based on how teams play against other teams, maybe we know a little something about like maybe their caliber, right? Like, yeah. I think that that's sort of a fair thing to say. Um, this has been the weirdest season because SMU has trouble with Texas State, UTSA kind of dominates texas state after they give smu trouble Mm -hmm. but then like then utsa also struggles against middle tennessee like there's been no consistency (laughs) among what a good and bad team is right Right. even even like uh even like you say okay well texas state we're we're thinking might be pretty good they go and give uh ulm trouble and then utep kicks the crap out of ulm (laughs) in a way that texas state could not right? right like it's just, I don't know. This is, obviously, it was always going to be a weird year. And honestly, it, it sucks, obviously. I mean, I, I, I feel like I don't need to preface this, but, like, obviously it sucks the reasons why things are, like, the way that sure, they are. Sure. But, um, but you know, just purely from an on-field perspective, this is a freaking fun year of football so far. This is wild. And especially with, yeah. like, now that the... the... Uh, the bowl eligibility rules are going to be nixed. Like, who knows? Like, you tip to a bowl. I'm telling you, like, who knows what results are going to happen? Yeah, first of all, Sun Bowl. Come on now. There's no reason come not on. to. Attendance should not be on anyone's mind <laughs> for these bowl games. Um, actually, I don't know what you're talking about, man. If UTEP goes to a bowl game, that place will be packed to 18% capacity. With people <laughs> like, it, it will be insane. Like, Dude, I, I mean, we've, we've talked fair. about it That's before. Fair. We talked about it on the program last week. Like, El Paso wants a winner so bad. Just give them a manageable bowl matchup in the Sun Bowl, and we That's will fair. go off. Yeah. I might have to travel to El Paso if we do that. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know. I still don't know if I'm ready to, to travel on planes as yet. So I might even have to drive. And I will do it <laughs> for the Sun Bowl <laughs> featuring U- UTEP. So, man, it, it would be a lot of fun. It would be a lot, a lot of fun. So, but anyway, all that to say, um, SMU's still in a great spot. Uh, I haven't fully made up my mind. I, again, the thing that's funny about this season, too, is that things change so fast. And, and obviously, like, again, all these games are getting canceled and all that. So, like, for mm-hmm. me, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> every single week, like, I don't know where to go. I You know, and you kind of have to, like, think, too, like, 
okay, you know, are there some communities you're going to be worried about that if I'm driving in, you know, with, are they going to take it seriously? You know, just all, all this sort of stuff, right? Like, there's a million factors taken into account. Um, but SMU Memphis this week is going to be off the chain. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be so much fun. And the thing is, right, like, we've seen SMU play three games so far, and yep. they they killed North Texas, like, killed them. Um, the, the game was nowhere near as close as 65-35, which is not <laughs> close. Um, they murdered SFA, who's, again, competed with everybody else. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and then obviously, you know, they, they struggle a little against Texas State, but even, even in the second half, they really got things going. And so SMU beginning to end has looked like the most dominant team in the state so far. And now they have a game against the class of the group of five, right? Memphis is a team that was in the cotton bowl last year. They're, they're sort of the number one team in group of five historically, if SMU is able to go out and have a good performance against them, like this goes from being like, oh wow, SMU could win eight or nine games to all right, we need to talk about SMU as like an AAC contender, and mm-hmm. they would be ranked, they would be you know get all sorts of attention. And look, I think that it's obviously first of all way too early to tell, and obviously also unfair to say that SMU is better than they were last year, especially because they're still you know figuring things out on defense a little bit, but. The pieces are there, man. The the pieces are there for them to be even better than they were last year. And I I considered myself very optimistic about what SMU could be this year, and I might have sold them short. So <laughs> I I I am very excited to see what they look like against Memphis this week. Because again, this can be a real sort of even national statement game. That that SMU, this is not a one year thing. This is what mm-hmm. SMU is uh, with Shane Bouchelle at least at quarterback. So. I'm excited. I'm excited. Man, it, it is, again, I, I mentioned it earlier, but this has been as fun a stretch of football as I can ever remember. Um, the, the things around it suck. You know, the contact tracing sucks. The, the cancellations suck. But once we get games on the field, this has been so much fun. This might be the most fun I, I can remember uh, watching football. Definitely to start the season, as far as I can remember. Definitely. Yeah. So... Anyway, I look. We have we have the best jobs in America. We will be back with you guys on Wednesday. Uh, if you're not already, become a f- subscriber at textfootball.com/slash/subscribe. It really helps us out. Uh, look, I mean, I'll, I'll be straight up with you guys, right? Like, it's a bad time to be in sports media, and we are part of a very good company. And the way that we're able to be part of such a good company is because of our subscribers. So if you like what we do, if you want it to continue, uh, go to textfootball.com/slash/subscribe. We We've got a lot of uh, both high school and college premium content that you will love. Uh, you can find all of our work at TexasFootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF-ish. Anything else? I, I mean, I think we, we have a little bit of a super packed show, but anything else? <laughs> nah, I think we're good there. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back with you guys again on Wednesday. UTEP Tool Bowl.